If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. The Taliban has seized power in Afghanistan after the U.S. withdrawal this weekend. Speaking alongside the Prime Minister of Singapore, Vice President Kamala Harris was asked what she thinks went wrong. I think there's going to be plenty of time to analyze what has happened and what has taken place in the context of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. But right now we are singularly focused on evacuating American citizens, Afghans who worked with us, and Afghans who are vulnerable, including women and children. And that is our singular focus at this time. Also on Monday, the FDA granted approval to Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for individuals 16 and over. That approval on Monday also paves the way for the Pentagon to begin mandating the vaccine for the 1.3 million active duty service members. But Afghanistan and getting Americans out on the ground is driving the day and recent days in the news. For this and more, we'll bring in our panel. Peter Ducey, Fox News White House correspondent, USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page, and co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics, Tom Bevan. Peter, we've been inundated really by the Afghanistan stories, uh, the back and forth you had with Jen Psaki, uh, in which she said she found it offensive that you used the word stranded for Americans. And yet we hear stories even today about Americans who have been beaten at Taliban checkpoints trying to get to, uh, to the airport. The president is now making a decision uh, to hold fast, uh, steadfast on the August 31st deadline, we're told, and we'll announce that. Uh, And we're hearing it's just impossible that we'll be able to get all the people out in that period of time. What's the latest status on where the administration is and what they're thinking here? The latest, Brett, is that the same people who are advising the president, the secretary of defense, the secretary of state, just went over to brief some Republican lawmakers who say that what they have heard is not at all consistent with what the president has been saying publicly, most notably that it is going to be impossible to get all Americans and American allies out by the deadline, and that there is still no plan to go in and destroy all this or retake all this military equipment, billions of dollars of military equipment that have been left behind. The administration is so sensitive about 
language. I, when Jen Saki and I were talking about this earlier in the week, I was not asking her whether or not people are stranded. We know that they are. I was asking her if the president understands that people aren't upset with him for pulling out. They're upset with the way he is pulling out troops before innocent Americans and allies. And Jen Psaki chose to hone in on that one word. They're very sensitive uh, to that, but the clock is ticking. Yeah. Susan, the administration is obviously focusing on the success that they have had with the thousands of Americans and Afghan allies that have already been brought out. Uh, but the fact of the matter remains, uh, once troops start leaving in earnest, um, even though the administration says they're going to continue to work to get others out without the military on the ground, that becomes kind of a futile effort with the Taliban in control. Susan? The situation is perilous on the ground now. Uh, it's going to get more perilous after August 31st when President Biden says we will go ahead with this withdrawal and the Taliban, of course, very eager for us to, to meet that deadline. You know, this is already exacting a significant political price for President Biden. We have a new USA Today Suffolk poll out that has his approval rating overall down to 41%. That is a really significant drop uh, in, a, in a survey that was taken from Thursday through Tuesday. So right as every headline across America was either about people, the violence in Afghanistan and the hasty, chaotic withdrawal, or about the rising COVID rates here in this country. Yeah, Tom, the poll numbers clearly are taking a hit, but also the international credibility is taking a hit uh, when you have other leaders talking amongst themselves about uh, the wherewithal of uh, the U.S. as an ally. And Russia and China are, no matter what's being said by the president, trying to take advantage of this and saying to Taiwan and others, uh, look at what's happening to Afghanistan. Yes. And and I mean, his decision to stick to this August 31st date, all of the G7 NATO allies wanted us to extend that. And he was under heavy pressure to do that. But he decided uh, to, to not listen to them. And I'm sure that's going to cause even more heartburn among our allies. And this is one of the things going back to the poll numbers that <laughs> Susan just mentioned and, and you're um, comment about his credibility. I mean, this is the other this is the other problem for Biden. I mean, there's obviously the the logistical political nightmare of what we've seen unfold in Afghanistan, but it is really causing him in the Biden administration, the president himself has been in public a number of times saying things that are almost immediately contradicted by members of his own administration by reports on the ground that seem really detached from, you know, the reality of what's happening there. And <clears throat> whether he's doing that on purpose uh, or, or for some other reason, it has created, and this was one of Biden's strengths as a, as a politician. Remember, he promised us during the campaign that he would, he would level with us. He would always tell us the truth, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, and that, that, so that's really taking a bite out of his credit, his personal credibility as well. That's going to be obviously reflected at home, but I think also abroad. Peter, I, I sense in the answers of some of these officials, like the Secretary of State on Fox News Sunday, um, saying it's an emotional time for all of us. When asked, is the president in the loop on all of these things? Um, and then these briefings up on Capitol Hill, which, as you mentioned, from everything we're hearing, are saying 
almost exactly opposite of what the president has said two, three times at these these press interactions on Afghanistan. What, what is the White House saying about that? Is is the president isolated? I asked Jake Sullivan about this at a briefing this week. You know, why is it that the president says uh, we got rid of Al Qaeda in Afghanistan? And then two days later, Tony Blinken comes out to say, yeah, there's still Al Qaeda remnants in Afghanistan. And Sullivan was really split in hairs. He said, oh, well, the president was referring to the capability to carry out a big attack like 9-11. But that's not what the president said. And so what we're hearing a fair amount of now is the president saying one thing. And he is the he said the buck stops with him. Uh, and then people who work beneath him coming out to try to explain what he meant. Yeah. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Susan, we've heard uh, other officials in the Obama years, like uh, the former Department of Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson, say the situation at the airport is going to get worse before it gets better. And people, he said, may die in this process. Uh, those are stark words from a guy who ran Homeland Security under Obama. Yeah, the president, of course, is getting hammered by Republicans. But what is worse is that very critical words from fellow Democrats, including some of the most experienced figures in the Democratic Party when it comes to foreign policy, defense, national security. Uh, you know, you heard uh, Ryan Crocker, uh, former ambassador in the, uh, to Afghanistan in the Obama administration, who has served four presidents, saying he now had questions about President Biden's capability to fulfill the needs of his office. Uh, so these these are words that cannot be, this is criticism that especially stings because you cannot dismiss it as just partisan rhetoric. Yeah. I, the other question I have, Tom, is, is has there been what we don't know the answer to? Has there been a military plan that went forward that included getting off the airport and going out with vehicles, as we saw the Brits and the French and the Aussies do, and getting their people back to the airport and, and evacuated. A lot of that is happening, believe it or not, privately. There are special Marine, former uh, active duty, who have tied together with billionaires and private aircraft and figured out how to get people, different people out. Um, the fact that we haven't done that is, uh, at some level, shocking. Yeah, and that's the <clears throat> that's the question that that well that and other questions uh, are the ones that that the administration can't answer. I mean, Jake Sullivan, <clears throat> excuse me, and other members of the administration they're focused on what they've been doing now uh, and touting all the great numbers, and they seem to have gotten things up to a, a you know speed. And now we've got you know the equivalent of the Berlin airlift going. But but whenever when they were were asked, and Jake Sullivan was asked in that briefing the other day by, I think, Michael Shear. Why didn't this happen months ago? There is no answer for that. He, he continued to just say, look, we've, you know, we've been doing a great job uh, in the last, you know, we've been doing everything we can. But because the answer to that question, they can't answer that, honestly. 
uh, because the answer is is not good for them. This all of this stuff should have been done. The fact it wasn't done, uh, and the fact that they did it in the way that they did, leaving the base and all the equipment behind, is is in some ways indefensible. And so so they can only talk about what they've done thus far. And and your question plays right into that, Brett, which is why why weren't we doing these other additional things? They don't really have a good answer. Yeah. Last thing, um, you know, obviously the FDA with full approval, Peter, of the the COVID-19 vaccine for Pfizer and likely Moderna's on the the burner and Johnson and Johnson coming down the road is a big moment, you know, and and may lead to more businesses and and other places uh, mandating vaccines. The administration desperately wants to focus on that. And the president's been out a couple of times just talking about that, not taking questions uh, about Afghanistan. But they can they somehow turn the messaging page with all of this happening and reaction on Capitol Hill and what we're seeing on the ground? Good luck to them as they try to do that. Uh, but what we're really seeing is is two kind of parallel administrations. You've got the people who are in charge of COVID, they have been very organized. They have been very proactive the whole time that they've been in office and regular updates. They're very upfront about how things are going. Uh, and they really like to celebrate when they think things are going well for them. And then yeah. you've got the people handling Afghanistan and foreign policy where everything seems so reactive. And so for as long as they are being reactive, it might be hard for them to get people to talk about the stuff they want to talk about. Susan, it is, it's just an elephant in the room. And every time you bring up another subject, it's always that you're avoiding the subject that everybody's focused on. Yeah, that's that's right. COVID, a big issue. This was good news this week with the FDA approval, uh, permanent uh, uh, approval. Maybe that will persuade some more of the vaccine reluctant to get shots. But the pictures we're seeing on TV, uh, the questions about stewardship, uh, about America's role in the world, about America's ability to keep its word, including to people who helped us during this long war, those are not going away. And those are going to be issues for weeks and for months to follow. Uh, It's just remarkable. If you think about how candidate Biden, then vice president, sold himself, Tom, as a candidate with all this experience on foreign policy, who knows all the players in the world. And his message was America is back. And in the wake of this, it's almost exactly the opposite, that the Taliban is in control of the situation. He suggests, the president did, that they we would stay past August 31st to get everybody out. The Taliban said no. And now, the president is complying with the Taliban. It's almost exactly the opposite of his pitch as a candidate. Right. Against the wishes of our, our allies. Um, yeah. I mean, th- this is uh, part of the problem that Biden is is facing and the numbers on Afghanistan. I mean, he took what was a broadly popular policy under both President Trump and uh, during the campaign, I mean, it's supported by Republicans and Democrats. People agree with the policy. They want to get out of Afghanistan. They believe we've been there too long. We've we've spent enough blood and treasure. It's all been and, and Biden likes to refer to the fact that, well, he had he had to make this decision and he made it and he thinks it's going to be the right one. That's not the issue. People agree with that. They just they don't agree with the execution of the policy. And that's what's been the real disaster. And and, you know, the numbers from from Susan's poll 26% on Afghanistan. We've seen 25% in some other polls. I mean, 
it's it's when you've got 50 or 60% of people who agree with the policy, but only 25% of people agree with the way that you're conducting and executing the policy, that's where the problem is. And it really does call into question. I mean, remember, this was all, you know, the adults are back in the room and we know what we're doing. And and it has really shattered that, uh, that narrative into a thousand pieces. And I, I'm not sure they're going to be able to put that back together again. And Peter, for a classified briefing up on Capitol Hill, not to include the fact that the CIA director was in Kabul meeting face-to-face with the Taliban leader is pretty striking. Well, yeah, because what's the point? <laughs> if the administration is trying to be upfront, and something that this president has always said is that he wants to work with Congress. He worked there for a long time. And things like this are potentially going to erode trust the next time that the administration needs to go to Congress and ask them for something. Yeah. And we'll leave it with this, Susan. At the same time, all of this is happening. Nancy Pelosi is trying to get through this $3.5 billion, uh, trillion dollar human infrastructure plan to go along with the other uh, past the Senate infrastructure plan, roughly $1.2 trillion, and is having a hard time with moderates, her own moderates, uh, to get that across the finish line, let alone the Senate moderates who say it's not getting past us. So it does not seem like the math is adding up there either. Well, it, definitely a problem, not with Republicans, but between moderate Democrats and progressive ones and between Democrats in the House and the Senate. That's no surprise. Uh, you know, you th- it looks like an impossible task, but I have to say, Brett, that uh, I would not count Nancy Pelosi out uh, her ability to pull rabbits out of hats has been proven over the past 20 years but this is definitely going to be one of those they've got no margin in the senate 50 50 she can only lose three votes in the house so the fact that she's got 10 moderates uh raising questions it's a serious issue Okay, panel, thank you so much. Here's a bit of presidential history. On August 21st, 1959, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a proclamation admitting Hawaii into the Union as the 50th state of the United States of America. After having been repeatedly stalled in the Senate, the lawmakers finally set Hawaiian statehood in motion by a 76-15 bipartisan margin. 14 Democratic Southerners, along with, alongside with Republican John Butler of Maryland, opposed that measure. The House tally was 323 to 85. And welcome to Hawaii into the Union. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Peter, Susan, and Tom, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.